He did that once and for all. And because he has died and been raised to everlasting life through faith in Jesus Christ, there is the death of the old man, but we are raised to walk in, in newness of life. We have been freed in Christ Jesus. And it's a daily recognition that through faith we have died to sin and we now live in Christ Jesus. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. You can find your place in God's Word in Romans chapter 6. Working our way through the epistle of Romans, looking at Romans 6 verses 1 through 14 today. I titled it, Reckoned Alive in Christ. I broke it into four sections. Verses 1 through 4, we'll see walk in newness of life. 5 through 7, freed from sin. 8 through 11, alive to God. And 12 through 14, instruments of righteousness. Father, I pray that you would be with us now, Lord, and just help us to glean from your scripture, the truths that you would have for us today as a church and as individuals. We pray that we would be open to the leading of your Holy Spirit today, that you would teach your church, this church. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's death to the old man, death to the old woman, verses 6 and 7. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. As I was going through this passage, studying this this week, Romans chapter 6. In fact, I have to tell you at the beginning of the year that there are a number of great verses, as we know, in the epistle of Romans. But there was one section of Romans that I wanted to teach more than any of the others. Maybe by the time I get to the end of it, I'll have another favorite section. But here in Romans chapter 6, it is a favorite section to me because this is just the Lord using in my life the study of his word, bringing revelation that I'd not yet had At one time, going through Romans chapter 6, looking into the actual Greek words, this being crucified with Christ, it is a Greek word that means to be impaled, 
in company with. It's the same word that we find used in the Gospels when one of those is found in Matthew 27, 44. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. We know at first that both of the thieves ridiculed and reviled Christ, but they were crucified with him, not on the same cross, but crosses next to him. And this is the same Greek word we find being used here, that we have, our old man had been crucified with Christ. And many years ago, I got this image of my sins being put upon Jesus Christ at that time, that I have been crucified with Christ. For me, it was a very special revelation that I had never noticed before, but it was something that the Lord has taught me to be crucified with Christ. And it speaks about the old person dying with Christ there on the cross. It's symbolic of the crucifixion of Christ. It reminds us that we are no longer in bondage of our sins because of the means of our death. We have been set free. Again, Galatians 2.20. I know I've read this already, but I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you know that death sets us free? We know this physically, right? That if we were to die today, we would be set free from anything that holds us on this earth. It doesn't mean that our family members would not miss us or long for us, but we would individually be set free. When my uncle passed away, my cousin discovered a great example of this being set free. When my uncle passed away uh, several years ago, my cousin started receiving phone calls from his debt collectors. Finally, a debt collector called and tired of hearing them and also telling them that, look, my dad has passed away. On this particular day, he told this certain debt collector, he goes, if you want to find my dad, he can be located at this address. And so he gave him the address and hung up. And then the collector called my cousin back, and he said, the address you gave me is a church. He goes, yeah, I know. There's a graveyard in the back of the church, and you can find my dad there. And he never had a phone call from that guy again. <laughs> See, he had been set free. I mean, they were trying to get the money out of my cousin, but death had extinguished the debt. They couldn't get the money out of my uncle because he had died. We'll see that same example in Romans chapter 7. Paul will use the example with someone who is married and her husband died. And because of death, she has been set free from the marriage vow that she had taken with her husband. Death sets you free. Jesus Christ, because he died, because we have been crucified with Christ, we have been set free. Jesus Christ said in John 8.36, Therefore, if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. And having been united in Jesus' death, has set us free from the debt of sin, and has also united us in the resurrected life.
We are also alive to God. Verses 8 through 11, again, I'll read the context. Verse 8, Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, Death no longer has dominion over him. Therefore, the death that he died, he died once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I realize I missed the word sin in verse 10, but I'll read it again and get it correct hopefully the next time. He says in verse 8 that now if we have died with Christ, we believe it is a Greek word that's in the present tense. It means we keep on believing. It's just we're actively believing in this. We believe that we shall also live with him. And so there is that sense of the ultimate sanctification here that one day we will also live with him. We will die physically and be resurrected into eternal life. But we also, positionally, we live with him. Practically, we live with him. We keep on believing by forgetting the things of our past and pressing forward to those things that are before us. As Paul wrote in Philippians 3.12, not that I have already obtained or am already perfected, But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Here we are that we have died with Christ and we're not to, in one sense, continue to look back at the historical crucifixion as if we died at that moment in time, but we know spiritually, that there was this supernatural death, that we have been crucified with Christ. And we find that we have been crucified with. We believe that we will also live with him. Since Christ died to die no more, death no longer has dominion over him. And that word for dominion, it means to rule over or to be Lord of. Vine describes it as Jesus Christ being permanently immune to the dominion of death. Jesus said in Revelation 1.18, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. He's not going to die again. He's not going to be impaled again upon that cross. He did that once and for all. And because he has died and been raised to everlasting life through faith in Jesus Christ. There is the death of the old man, but we are raised to walk in in newness of life. We have been freed in Christ Jesus. And it's a daily recognition that through faith we have died to sin and we now live in Christ Jesus. We reckon ourselves alive to God then. He said, verse 10, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. And the life that he lives, he lives to God. And likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
The phrase once for all teaches us that there's no additional offering needed, no additional sacrifice needed other than what Jesus did when he went on the cross. Never again will Jesus need to come in the likeness of men and offer himself as a sacrifice for our sins. That which he did, he did once for all. The author of Hebrews did a comparative look at the high priest in Hebrews chapter 7 and the work of the high priest who every year would have to go into the Holy of Holies with an offering on the Day of Atonement. But he did this annually. It was a repeated offering that would go on annually for hundreds and hundreds of years. But not with Jesus Christ, as he says in Hebrews 7, 26 and 27. For such a high priest is fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, and undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's, for this he did once for all when he offered himself. And so there is a play that we could take on this phrase, once and for all. It could be once for all. Jesus did the work there on the cross one time and never needs to be repeated again. One time for all time, once for all. But also it's one offering for everyone. Whosoever calls upon the name of Jesus once for all, for everyone who looks to him in life-saving faith. In 2 Corinthians 13, 4, it says, For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. We are, he says, to reckon. It means to take an inventory, to take an accounting of. And so you can make your little list, get your clipboard out. We reckon ourselves dead, but also reckon ourselves alive. And though we continue in this, these bodies of sin, we're to reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to Jesus Christ. Therefore, we no longer live as in times past, as in our old life, but we now live for God and for his son, Jesus Christ, who has redeemed us. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 3.3, 3. we have died and we're hidden in Christ with God. Believers in Christ, we live with Christ by virtue of this union, this communion that we have with Jesus Christ. And we accept it, the pardon that he has given us so freely that we are to live in such a way that brings glory to him today. So we are to reckon ourselves dead to sin, but also we're to reckon ourselves alive to God through the work of Jesus Christ being played out in our lives. And thus it makes us instruments of righteousness. In the last few verses we're looking at today, verses 12 through 14, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, 
but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. So he comes back to that theme of grace, the theme of grace that he he mentioned in Romans 5.20, where he said, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. And so we're not to let sin reign in us, or do not let it continue to reign in your mortal bodies, but we are to present our bodies as instruments of righteousness. It speaks about how we conduct ourselves in this world. We had one time conducted ourselves apart from Christ. We conducted ourselves in the ways of this world. We let the world rule over our bodies. In a sense, we allowed sin to be king over our lives. But now we are dead to sin. We have been crucified with Christ. We have been buried with Christ. And we have been reckoned ourselves to live with Christ. So we now live as instruments of righteousness. You know, sin is in this world. And we saw this in Romans 5.14, that death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who is to come. Uh, We looked at this over the last few weeks from Romans 5, but sin still reigns. It still reigns in this world. And we have a choice as to who we are going to obey. That word for obey means to listen attentively, uh, to heed, to conform to the command of. And who are you going to obey? Are you going to obey this world, the lust of this world, the sins that are found in this world? Are you going to obey God? Are you going to obey Jesus Christ? In Romans 6, 16, do you not know that who you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether sin leading to death or that of obedience leading to righteousness. So we'll continue with this next week in our study, but it's all about presenting ourselves. It means to Stand alongside. Who are you going to stand alongside? You're going to stand alongside the world, the ways of the world, the sins of this world, or are you going to stand alongside Jesus Christ? I have to tell you that I believe the choice of this is uh, being clearly defined in our world today because our world, especially here in the United States, we continue to drift further from the truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the definition is going to become clearer and clearer. The defining factor between believer and unbeliever, it's going to become clearer and clearer as the world gets darker, we might say, then Christians should become brighter, shining brighter, living as instruments of righteousness. Our faith should become brighter and brighter in the darkness of this world. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we have judged thus, that if one has died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those 
who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. And so the Christian life is that of a choice of how we are going to practically live out our salvation that has been afforded to us through the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. And are we living out as instruments of righteousness, alive to God, recognizing that we are freed from sin to walk in newness of life? I hope that we are. Once we are saved by faith, sin no longer has dominion or lordship over our lives. And this is because we are no longer under the control or the condemnation of the law, but we have been freed under God's amazing grace. Again, Romans 5.20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. And we are to, as believers in Jesus Christ, to present ourselves alive to God as instruments of righteousness in service to God. Because we have recognized that we have been freed from sin to walk in newness of life. This is a position that we have in Jesus Christ today. But it's also something that should live out practically in our lives. It should be something that others should be able to see. It should be seen in the way we conduct ourselves in this world, that we conduct ourselves differently. You know, I laid brick for 20 years. For a majority of that time, I was boss. So it's interesting to me, as a, a Christian foreman for bricklayers, my guys kind of knew the standards that I set. I had a bricklayer, and a lot of times when you do projects that are bigger than the normal projects, you end up hiring large crews, and perfect crew for me was usually nine bricklayers and five laborers. I, perfect size, you know. That was like no stress. You could have stress sometimes, but you give up 40 bricklayers and it's like a lot of stress. On one of these larger jobs, we were building a pretty large building. It, it was, uh, I think the initial building was an eight-story building with four five-story wings on it. So it was a real big project and, and we had two crews running and I had bricklayers that came from Oklahoma and Texas and from the area that I had my guys, but I had all these extra guys but there was one of the guys that he, one day at lunch, he says, you know, my wife told me last night that, you know, your language is a lot better now than it used to be. See, it's not that I didn't allow cussing. My guys respected me enough that they didn't cuss as much as they normally would if they were with a lot of those foremans that I used to work for that had some bad mouths. So their respect, actually, uh, for this individual, he asked his wife, he goes, what do you mean? She goes, well, you don't cuss as much as you used to. So he kind of stopped cussing on the job side because of Pastor John, his foreman, and uh, it went right into his home. He wasn't a believer, but the fact that there was someone shining brighter 
caused him to shine a little differently in his own home. We can do that for other people, and I think we should. Father, thank you for your word and for your grace that you have given us. And I know, Lord, in a chapter like this that we can read through and learn about how we present ourselves, how we're to reckon ourselves dead to sin. And I know, Lord, that sometimes we struggle in these very areas that we are to be reckoning ourselves dead in. Help us, Lord, I pray, to reckon ourselves alive to God in Christ Jesus this day. Help us, Lord, to not only realize it's a position that we have in you, Jesus, but also it's to be lived out practically in our lives. And I know, Lord, that we have failed in these areas. And so, Lord, where we have failed, we pray for your forgiveness. And help us, Lord, to find the victory that's already ours. Because, Lord, we have died with you. And because we have died, we have been buried. And now we live to walk in righteousness, alive unto God, to walk in newness of life. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847 847- Two six five zero six four six. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.